Hi, I'm Nikki O'Brien and this is Quintessential Being. This podcast is a heart-driven passion project of mine. It's about sharing stories, journeys of self-discovery, giving you actionable tools, shifting perspectives. It's about bringing you anything and everything that will help you understand yourself, love who you are right now, and deepen the connection with those around you. So thanks for joining me and let's jump in. I first heard about the concept of love addiction through a book called Women Who Love Too Much by Robin Norwood, and I honestly thought she had lived my life. I identified with almost every woman's story in that book, and for the first time, I felt like I could heal this part of me that I thought was beyond repair. I am self-diagnosed in the disease of loving the wrong men too much, too often. So today, I talked to Melissa Essence, counsellor, healer and coach about love addiction and the support available to heal and guide yourself back to healthy relationships. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining me again on Quintessential Being. I am excited to talk to you about this one, (laughs) something that you actually introduced me to um, a few years ago now. So I would love to talk to you today about love addiction. Maybe if we can start off with um, what is love addiction? Well, thank you. And um, I'm excited to talk about it as well. Um, It's just one of those things that I think not many people actually know about. Like it's not this kind of, um, yeah, it's just not really known about love addiction. And um, I do have a lot of clients that come to me and um, they have these kind of patterns of, of love addiction and so I guess it kind of has the same formula as addiction. Mm-hmm. So addiction is about kind of being, um, you know, using something outside of ourselves to make us feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then there's also those patterns of kind of obsessing um, something becoming kind of your world or becoming more important than other things or our basic needs. Um, and that's when um, love addiction, kind of extreme love addiction, you know, can be you know, down that kind of end of people, you know, stalking people, oh, yeah. um, you know, like becoming really like the extreme extreme, you know, people commit suicide over yeah, wow. breaking hearts, you know, that they they love someone so much that they could, you know, can't live without them kind of an extreme spectrum end of love addiction. Um, you know, right down, I guess, to the kind of softer end of love addiction is, is that kind of, um, you know, just can't stop thinking about someone obsessive, obsessive kind of a things. Yeah. 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 And so how, if I am thinking that I'm a love addict, mm-hmm. how does that, like, what does it look and feel like to me if I'm in a relationship mm. or not? Or not, yeah. Well, I guess it would be, well, how much of your life is consumed by this concept that you need to find the one? Mm. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that like, isn't that, um, I feel like that's also part of the message that society tells us. Completely, yeah. It's it's completely in, it's in the media. Yeah. We watch all these movies where it's all about the kind of the guy and the girl that, yeah. you know, they finally find each other and they live happily ever after. Yeah, and, like, yeah. you haven't arrived. Like, I feel like the message is you haven't really arrived in life unless you have uh, married or have a partner or are in a relationship with someone. Yeah, and then the reality is you get into that relationship and it's wonderful and you love each other and then the real shit starts happening in the relationship, you know, all your stuff is triggered, all your childhood things and the big stuff happens and then people kind of get to this, oh, this isn't working, we're not in love anymore, they can kind of leave the relationship um, and then 
back on that search again to find the one. So is that a typical behaviour of a love addict? When things get challenging and the relationship's getting too hard, it's, oh, this must not be the one and I need to search for the perfect one. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, um, well, I guess there are two uh, two ways it can go. It can either go in, in that way, yeah, I need to find that one again because I'm seeking that high. I'm seeking yeah. the euphoria, that feeling when you, you know, you're first kind of meeting someone and you're messaging them and you get addicted to those little, oh, have they messaged me and I need that, you know, and these are normal things that happens when you fall in love, but it's kind of like, is that just a natural flow into a relationship or am I really seeking and needing those little hits like an adrenaline hit. Um, exactly, like an adrenaline hit. And and it's kind of like oxytocin is that mm. chemical that comes through um, when, when we're getting those hits. And, you know, I guess it's – there's addict – that why when does it become addiction, you know, because yeah. it's normal. You get yeah, excited. Yeah. You've got butterflies. You're yeah. in love with someone. When it becomes addiction is when it's yeah. actually taking over your life. Okay. Yeah, so you're neglecting your needs. You're yeah. not looking after yourself. Um, and then kind of – once that starts to fade, which is a natural part of any relationship, that, that phase doesn't last forever, it's that need to kind of have it back again, mm. which can lead to either leaving the relationship, yeah. um, you know, and finding it again and getting that falling in love feeling all over again. Um, or it can lead to kind of staying in the relationship but um, not feeling like something's wrong, I shouldn't really be here, and maybe finding other addictions or other things to kind of numb out to be able to stay in that relationship. Yeah, mm. okay. Yeah. And so if what do I do if I think that I'm a love addict and I'm in a relationship but I um, am experiencing troubles and challenges and thinking, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to be with this person, maybe I'm supposed to find somebody else, like what... Um, yeah, how do I, how do I figure that out for myself? Yeah, well, I think first of all, um, you know, it's really common and it's really normal. So, um, I guess the first thing is like, well, you're not alone. Um, and talking about it's really good because often I find like people come to see me and they have these kind of feelings that, oh, maybe they're not the one, um, and they've never told anyone before. So it's like, I think if you're really in that trap, it can be that you feel like you can't actually have your feelings, that there's something wrong with the feelings that you're having. Um, And really the first step is just getting honest and talking. Talk to your girlfriends about it. Have an understanding that this actually is a normal kind of situation, that I can be having these feelings about someone and still love them, Mm -hmm. Um, that it isn't so black and white because it's real that black and whiteness is that trap of of being in a really kind of codependent or love-addicted place is when I've got this black and white thinking, they're the one, they're not the one. They're the one, they're not the one. And then it's like, oh, then I feel really guilty because I was thinking I was going to leave them and now I'm absolutely in love with them again. You know, it's that kind of that dance that happens internally, which is kind of your, um, you know, again, it's that dra- that internal drama that's it's affecting your adrenals, your, your yeah. body, like you, you become worn out, stressed. Yes. Simply from being in a relationship with someone and all this is kind of going on in your own head and you're not actually communicating that. So is that because there's pressure like in in the love addict, there's pressure in their head that it either should should be black and white? Mm. And then so if that's happening, Mm. how do you overcome it? Well, I think it depends on the severity of of how it's happening. I mean, definitely come to 
coming to see somebody about it and yeah. talking and counselling, that's a great thing to do. Um, or just a good kind of wise wise woman that, yeah. that you can talk to. That's 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 definitely there. Um, what I see the most is when people actually break up out of relationships. Mm-hmm. That's probably when it becomes really severe, mm-hmm. when people go through like a withdrawal um, that happens, when can't eat, can't sleep, my whole world's kind of fallen apart. Um, which, you know, again, there's there's degrees of that. Yes, of course, after a big breakup, you're not going to feel great. But again, how severe is it going? Like mm-hmm. I've had people come to see me that it's just not okay. They've been with someone for six months, they've broken up, and now it's six months later and they still can't function. They can't stop thinking about them. They're stalking them on Facebook. Um, you know, as soon as someone mentions their name, they're kind of really overwhelmed again, um, all of those kind of things. And if it's getting that bad, then definitely going to see someone um, is there. Um, there are support groups as well. There's a group called SLA that mm-hmm. have um, kind of, they're like 12-step meetings that are around. Um, so they're in um, most cities. You can you can go to those. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of stuff online. Um, you know, just even reading about it can be a great way to kind of get some awareness and going, yeah. oh, yeah, that's me, that's me. Yeah, um, identify with a little bit. It's like it's mm, not obviously all going to be you. but No, yeah. yeah, and that's the other thing. Like love addiction, it's different from, say, like a drug addiction where you're clearly addicted to that drug. Yeah, um, because it's different people in love addiction. And there's different ways it manifests. Like yeah. you might be like completely obsessed with someone um, and you go, well, this is a bit of a problem. Like I'm, I can clearly know I can't stop thinking about them. I'm obsessed yeah. with them. Um, or you might be having the patterns of being in relationships and knowing that you're stuck in that kind of black and white thinking mm-hmm. um, in there. So, I mean, there's lots of different ways love addiction manifests, so it's not as black and white as a, as a normal drug addiction. So can you give us some more examples of the way that it would manifest? Yeah, so let me have a think. Um, so, well, here I find um, one of the ways is can be like um, in some spiritual communities where people might think, oh, I'm, um, I don't know if you know much about like the twin flame mm-hmm. kind of stories that go on where there's like the idea that there might be this kind of other part of my soul that's out there. And when I meet this person, um, you know, I'm going to exactly, I'm going to feel whole. Yeah. And, um, and that'll mean all these amazing spiritual kind of awakenings that occur, um, so it can manifest in a spirit, I guess, in a spiritual way. And then that's that kind of even deeper kind of going in as, oh, I'm meant to be with this person. Yeah. Um, so anything where you think I'm meant to be with this person, um, but you're ignoring the signs. So for okay. example, you might be dating someone and you're infatuated and you think, oh, they're amazing. And they're this, um, you're kind of creating a fantasy about them that's different from actual reality. Yeah. So it might be that they don't have a job. Yeah. And they, um, they're not paying for dinner and they get asked you to pay for dinner yet you've made out like, oh, they're such a, they're an artist and they're, um, you know, they're down to earth and they don't care about money. And so you've made it out to be this, they're amazing person because they're so altruistic and money's not meaningful to them. Yeah. So it's this kind of fantasy thinking that you're taking little qualities and turning them into good qualities. Into a big story too. Yeah, a big story. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm. And so how, uh, like, if we can maybe go back a little bit, how does someone develop love addiction? Like, how does that even happen? Mm, Great question. So my personal opinion on this is that it comes from childhood. So mm-hmm. it comes from like unmet needs as a child. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, not not to kind of be 
saying our parents did a bad job. It's just, a, you know, every child grows up in the world and not all their needs can be met. So um, often it might be that there might be maybe an absent father. Um, um, it could be a range of things. But on some level, um, as a child, feeling not loved mm-hmm. and then feeling like you have to go and seek that love in, yeah. in another person. Yeah, so for it might be, um, you know, a quite a good family where, um, you know, it's a beautiful home and the children are, are, are really kind of loved, um, but it might be that the mother might, for example, be a bit obsessive with um, cleaning mm-hmm. or things having to be in an ordered kind of a way and then a child may not feel like they're really allowed to express themselves and that might then mean that they're then seeking that, they're seeking somebody to um, express themselves to mm-hmm. so that when that child, maybe they reach, you know, um, pubescence, maybe they're 13 or 14 and they find someone that, you know, they're allowed to fully express themselves with. So that's healthy in a way because part of relationship really is about the unmet needs of childhood and you get to express yourself with them or any unmet needs. But at what point in some cases it can become a bit obsessive. It's like I really need that and there's like a really strong drive that I have to have that. And there's like a strong attachment to that person because it's perceived that that person has given you that freedom. Correct, yeah, as if that person is giving you this thing that you didn't get when you you were a child. Yeah. So obviously, again, it's a spectrum, you know. Yeah. 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 And so how can we help ourselves out of it if we think that, you know, obviously we you should go and seek therapy if the, if you think that this is you. Mm-hmm. Um, but what could we do at home or in your daily life to sort of, like you were saying, do a little bit of research into it? There's support groups. Mm-hmm. Is there any other um, things that you could do within your relationship mm-hmm. that may help you to seek more balance? Well, I'm a big kind of promoter of boundaries. Yeah. Um, so kind of having a look at what, what boundaries you can have in place. So, um, you know, if, it, if you are in a relationship, it might be thinking, well, how much of my time am I spending worrying about my relationship? Um, and then thinking, well, what else could I be doing? You know, maybe we need to actually do something fun or reconnect again rather than me just feeling anxiety about my relationship mm-hmm. or maybe we need to seek couple therapy mm-hmm. or even just have an honest good chat about things mm-hmm. um, and communicate if you know if you're feeling like maybe you've on that more obsessive side at falling in love with someone um, again boundaries like how much time are you spending with this person um, it could be that you might just slow it down and any dating that you can just slow right down Um, is really helpful so things like not messaging back and forth all day every day maybe try and leave a day or two between messages Um, making actual dates and saying look well let's catch up next week and have a date rather than doing the messaging back and forth back and forth or, Mm -hmm. or meeting up right away so slowing things down is is really good and again having boundaries and making sure there are other things happening in your life like do you need to catch up more with your girlfriends Mm. do you need to kind of maybe do more self-care type things um you could take a real honest inventory of yourself and say well what is my life really looking like and am I what percentage or how much of my life is consumed by this kind of need to have a partner Mm. um or the right partner Mm. versus what else is important to me? Like, what are my values? What else do I want in my life? You know? And so that also sounds like it's more of a mindset shift as well. 
And how do you, like if you're evaluating and you're thinking maybe I do need to spend more time, like obviously if you're a love addict, that would be super hard. Mm. And so um, how do you support yourself in that and sort of um, make sure that you're continually doing that? Because I think in this society, in this world, it's really hard to give yourself time, to give a relationship time to Um, yeah, I just think that that's, um, really difficult to do sometimes. So how do you keep that as a focus? Well, I think it's just not the kind of thing that a lot of people can do alone. Like I think you really do need people, you need, you need community. Um, that's why the support groups are really helpful because you're you're, you're kind of accountable to other people on that journey as well. Um, but having a really good friend or family member, someone that um, that can actually hold space for you, that isn't just going to judge you and t- tell you kind of you got to do it or yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's it's about connection and community and, and being a bit accountable. Um, you know, there are other ways you can you can write affirmations, you can stick stuff around the house and the shower. Like there are lots of little tricks and things to remind yourself. Um, but I think it does take – it takes a community, I think, to get well. It's not something that you totally. can do on your own. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a beautiful theme that I'm hearing more and more of actually that it does – you know, I think we get really obsessed with the fact that we should be able to heal ourselves mm. these days and that it all comes from us mm. and, you know, we've got all the tools that we need uh-huh. when really actually – I am finding more and more we need to be connected to each other and we need to be supported and hold space and, um, yeah, be allowed to move through things with other people. And it it really is, um, you know, like Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability Mm. and there's just so much research to show that being vulnerable is actually the place where healing happens Mm -hmm. and connection happens Mm -hmm. and um, it's often the... You know, it's the killer of shame, isn't it? Because mm. if you're in this obsessive thing, you don't want to tell anyone. You don't want to be that person. No one wants to admit they stalk people on Facebook. But guess what? We all do it. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, you don't want to. You don't want to admit. And it's a really vulnerable thing because it's love. It's that deep kind of inner child need to be loved and loved and seen. Totally. And it feels like sometimes it can feel like you're the only person who is relationship either isn't working or you're not in a relationship and everyone else is perfect. Like, you know, you've got those rose colored glasses on that says that you think that everyone else's relationship is okay Mm. and yours isn't. And that's really isolating. It's really isolating. And there's kind of a saying like you're comparing your insides to others outsides. Um, you know, and particularly in relationships, there's a lot of, um, you know, and I've had had this experience, I've been in a relationship with a, a heroin addict and not been feeling like I can tell anyone about it yeah. because I didn't, it's like I felt responsible for my partner's bad behaviour yeah. um, or that somehow I could fix him or change him and I didn't want other people to know that my relationship was that bad or it mm. had, you know, and it, it, that was a pro- it got to that bad. It, I could have stopped that well before it got to there. Um, but again, you know, I really encourage anyone in a relationship where there is perhaps bad behaviour occurring to just talk to people about it. You know, it's it's okay. It, you know, it's like often there's that fear that that person's going to judge you or say you've got to leave them or, mm. um, you know, but if you get a good supportive person, they, they're just going to listen, you know, and again, healing that shame and even getting some identification that no relationship is is perfect. Mm-hmm. There's, there's bad behaviour going on all around the show, you know, it's... Um, but it's the talking and connection that, that makes you kind of feel safe enough to kind of work things through. 
than just thinking, oh, this is my problem and, and somehow I've got to fix it. Yeah, mm. totally. Mm. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we go? Um, well, I am reading a book at the moment. I oh, thought yes. you were going to ask me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to ask you again, but yes, I'll take it. <laughs> Um, it's called Finding the Love You Want. Ooh, yeah, juicy. It's juicy. Um, and it's on this kind of concept of imago therapy. Okay. Yeah, so um, it's been around for about 30 years and it's a proven kind of um, therapy of dialoguing of how to actually speak with your partner. Wow. So there's a few books kind of written on this um, imago. Um, the latest one, it's on Audible. I'm doing Audible at the moment with my partner and we've decided to listen to it together awesome. as an audio book in the car each morning and learn this kind of concept of um, kind of relating and dialoguing with each other. That's awesome. It is awesome. And um, the concept kind of is that in any romantic relationship, a partnership, there's an unconscious, the unconscious purpose of the relationship is to heal your childhood wounds. Totally. Which we all know like that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know that until you told me that actually. And you talked to me about it today. Like I, it makes sense to me now hearing it. But yeah, wow, that's um, really resonates. Yeah, and so that initial what is known as the honeymoon period, the mm-hmm. oxytocin, the drug happy part that we get addicted <laughs> to, is actually only ever going to last it, but, the, between six months and three years. Yeah, wow. Once that finishes, your relationship then goes into power struggle. So you either okay. fight to the death <laughs> <laughs> or you live these two separate lives and numb out um, or you get divorced you know, and leave and separate, um, or you actually do some work and, yeah, and heal together so, and heal together. Right? That's the that's like you've the got to heal. Idea. You're yeah. each your own, but yeah. if you can do it together, that's that's the bliss. Yeah? yeah, yeah. So this book, anyway, it's a bit of a like a course, like a that you can do together. So um, awesome. I totally recommend that, and I'll send you a link that you can. Yeah, you can and can you here. just tell us again? So it's finding the love you want, yeah. an imago based therapy for relating. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Bye. (laughs) Thanks. Well, I'm probably going to have a vulnerability hangover for days after that chat. So much juiciness with Melissa Essence. Perhaps a bit to unpack there. I know there was for me when I first heard about love addiction, but hey, if that's you, please know that you're not alone and we are your community and we're here to support you. Head to the website quintessentialbeing.com for all the show notes. That book again was Women Who Love Too Much by Robin Norwood, which was instrumental in bringing awareness for me around love and relationships and my behavior. Please share this episode with your friends if it resonates with you. And thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself and I'll catch you next time.